Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time for another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard on the radio on The Bet in Las Vegas. Welcome back, everybody. If you subscribe to the show, thank you. If you don't yet, you can find it wherever you get your audio. He is Mo Moten, my co-host, national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. You can follow him at Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. Mo, we're going to get kicked off. We're going to talk about the Raiders' number one draft tip pick. Uh, of course, Tyrell Wilson, Tyree Wilson, excuse me, and uh, get into that with somebody who knows him really well. I'm excited about this one. Definitely excited about this one. Hopefully our guests can clear up some misconceptions, some concerns maybe, and get Raiders fans excited about the pick because, as I said, when I hosted the show, mixed reactions. So we'll see what we get out of this, out of, yeah. out of our guests. Yes, and uh, we're going to go right to that guest now. Joining us uh, from Lubbock, Texas, is Don Williams. He's at the Lubbock avalanche journal and and you can follow him on twitter at aj aj excuse me underscore don williams don too hey you've been there since 1988 which means you were there for the big redhead senior season right at texas tech billy joe tolliver i know billy joe very well he is a texas tech icon and uh i love talking to him uh it's been, I don't know, a couple of years maybe since the last time I saw him, but I've seen him periodically, and uh, Billy Joe is just, uh, he's a Texas Tech treasure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the I, I would say his arm is as strong as any Texas Tech quarterback I've ever seen, including yeah. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, people rave about Patrick Mahomes, but as far as just a pure cannon, Billy Joe could, could really throw it. Yeah, and he was a, quite the personality. I was uh, in San Diego at the time. That's the year I actually graduated high school. And uh, that was the year the Chargers in the 1999 draft dra- drafted him in the second round. So uh, that's a nice first year for you to be there to cover the beat. And all these years later, you've seen, of course, Patrick Mahomes come through there. Uh, and now Tyree Wilson, who becomes a Las Vegas Raider, a pick that I know Mo and I were excited about because – of course, the Raiders had a lot of needs on defense, so people were expecting them to maybe go in the middle. They were expecting maybe for one of those top cornerbacks. Of course, they went quick as well. Uh, but somebody they needed somebody on the other side of Max Crosby, and that's where I want to start is with Tyree Wilson. Um, you saw him throughout his career. Tell us a little bit about his evolution from when he first got to Lubbock to him becoming a top-10 draft pick. Well, let's go all the way back maybe to, to high school. And Tyree coming out of high school, I believe, was listed. He was 6'6 and listed at uh, about 6'6, 230 to 6'6, 230, 235, 240. So you're talking about a guy who's put on 40 pounds since high school. Mm. Uh, he went to Texas A&M. He played a little bit. Uh, was kind of, I think, a rotation guy as a freshman at A&M. Played in all 12 games his freshman year. Didn't really produce any noteworthy stats. He was just sort of a backup. Um, I, I guess was, was not really happy there. Um, 
and transferred to Texas Tech. And his transfer to Texas Tech happened during the COVID summer of 2020. Um, and he came, uh, he, he was the guy that came here when Matt Wells was still the coach of the Red Raiders. Now, by this time, though, uh, you know, after a couple of years in the Aggies program and their strength and conditioning program, um, he was really, he was looking the part for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he, he made it Texas Tech season opener that year. Again, this is 2020. So a couple of those games were canceled or postponed because of COVID. So Texas Tech season opener that year was against the University of Texas. And it was really memorable because when you're talking about University of Texas, those guys get, you know, they recruit with uh, the best in the nation. Their, their roster is loaded with talent. They get legitimate offensive linemen. And, Co- and, and Tyree, uh, just had a really impressive day. You could see right off the top uh, why they were excited about him because he made two or three plays that game where uh, he, he was just so physically impressive. I remember one time, uh, you know, one play, you know, I was passing down, I think, third and eight, something like that, and he just drives the drives the left tackle right back into the quarterback. I mean, just like puts him on a sled and shoves him back in the pocket and completely blows up the play. Um, He had – that was 2020. Now, after that impressive debut, there's not really a lot to me that was very memorable about his 2020 season. You thought Mm – so after that year, you thought, okay, this guy has a lot of ability, but you need to see it on an every Saturday basis. And then in uh, 2021 and 2022 – you, you sort of saw that as his numbers were pretty consistent, you know, both of those years, one year he had 14 tackles for loss and one year he had 13 and a half. And each of those seasons, he had seven sacks. And so the production was there the last couple of years. And uh, with that, even though with that said, I think, and I think maybe you guys, maybe you will feel the same way once you've seen him for a little while, uh, uh, for as for as physically impressive as he is, and for some of the flashy plays that he makes, you think he has 14 tackles for loss and seven sacks. Why doesn't he have 25 tackles for loss <laughs> and, and 12 sacks? Because he seems physically to be capable of that. So Don, that I, that you lead me right into my question because when he was the Raiders' pick at seven. There are some fans that will worry because Raiders fans have had have gone through some pretty poor drafts. And I had to kind of talk fans off the ledge because they compared him to a previous pick. And they're they worried about Tyree Wilson, while he looks physically imposing, as you just mentioned, they're worried about his athleticism, his twitch. Could you tell us about how he wins uh, in the pass rushing game, in the on passing downs? Is it just power? Does he have some athleticism where he can beat uh, offensive linemen? Or is it just pure, pure brute force at the line of scrimmage? Well, I, I, I tell you, that's that's a good question. Um, to the the kinds of plays that he made that really jumped out to me that you saw him make a lot. Uh, again, kind of a, he has he's he's so strong has such a strong upper body and he's so long that he can really uh, his bull rush is is impressive and and if if tackles aren't playing on balance he will beat you that way. The other thing that impressed me about him, the plays that he makes are hustle plays that he will go down the line of scrimmage and chase down a running back from the backside. You saw him do that a lot here. Um, he's a guy that uh, I think gets high marks because, he, like I say, he hustles. He doesn't give up, give up on plays, and uh, they may run away from him, and he will make the tackle across, uh, you know, on the – he may be lined up over the left tackle and make uh, and tackle running back outside the right tackle. Um, I don't know that he's maybe necessarily the ideal, you know, bend and twitch guy, but I do think he's, uh, I, I think he's probably fast enough to still make a lot of plays, especially when you consider his, you know, that wingspan, how long his <laughs> arms are, yep. uh, how much he, hustles um you know another good thing about you know a good thing about him you know there were never any questions while he was here about his character uh he kind of scored high in the uh in the makeup department in terms of you know being a team guy even though he was getting all this attention 
he seemed to be well well liked by teammates and and you know not a big ego guy um so i, I think he will give uh legit i think he'll give you his legitimately best effort to be the best player he can be um you know with that said i i, I can understand it, that maybe he's uh could be kind of a boom or bust guy i think mm. i guess I, I think i think he's a, he's a rare physical specimen um and like i said i think he will have the right approach will he be like you said does he have the the elite uh bend and twitch I think I don't know. I'm not sure if he does. Maybe he still has to prove that. But I think he will be. I think he's going to be a, a you know solid defensive end. Like I say, yeah. If for if for no other reason, I think just with his size and power, he's he he can be a a pretty good edge setter. Yeah, it'll be interesting too because and that was one of the questions and you sort of mentioned it is is what is he what does he have to do to get better? What did you see? Um, that he's got to get better at. I mean, Rob Leonard comes over now as his position coach with the Raiders. Of course, he coached Calais Campbell uh, over in Baltimore. So he's going to have better coaching. The Raiders upgraded the coaching staff on the defensive line. And so you have to wonder about it. And you mentioned the character thing, too, because obviously the Raiders have had some issues with that over the last few drafts under Mike Mayock and John Gruden, and they've really focused on it again. Uh, and is he was he the was he a leader on the field and in the locker room? I mean, obviously being around those kids all the time as you are, did you see that in him, too? Is he a kid kind of mature beyond his years? I think that's true. And I, bl I believe uh, uh, I think Tyree's family has a military background. One of, mm -hmm. well, I think at least one of his parents was, uh, you know, in the military. And, uh, and his, I think, probably work ethic probably reflects that. And uh, he's not really uh, he, he's a real personable guy. He has kind of a, a, a good sense of humor. With that said, though, he's not a, he's I don't think he's a real big raw, raw guy, but I do mm -hmm. think he's a guy that uh, kind of set a tone in terms of being serious and uh, and working at practice and kind of uh, maybe setting an, setting an example that way. So I know. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to say this. I, I don't think he took you know days off in practice right. or or was like you know. I'm going to be a first round draft pick. I can get away with slacking on a Tuesday. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he was that kind of guy. So you mentioned this in one of your recent pieces, right after Tyree was drafted by the Raiders talk about talking about his injury. And I know our Raiders fans sometimes have a, have a, uh, a, a, you know, kind of a skepticism about players coming out of the draft injured, especially as a top 10 pick. Uh, was there, did you see Tyree, I guess, deal with a lot of injuries uh, at Texas Tech with it, not necessarily missing games, but limping off the field because he couldn't finish games because there's missing time because of injury and there's uh, a, a player's production dropping off because he's playing hurt. W was he a guy that got hurt a lot on the field or was just just a, a one-off where he uh, had a foot injury at the end of the year couldn't finish? Yeah, it was the, the latter, a one-off, uh, because I actually went back and looked at that in one of my little pre-draft things that I wrote. He, play, he played in 44 games in college, so mm -hmm. him, sta his, his, him staying on the field was never really an issue. And uh, when he got hurt in that game against Kansas, it seemed to be kind of a fluke because, you know, he went down, he stays down, you're kind of like, what happened? I don't really see anything. <laughs> there doesn't really seem to be anything abnormal, and you know somehow I don't know if he uh, maybe stepped on a foot, stepped on somebody else's foot, or kind of took some little fluky step, and uh, you know broke a bone in there, and uh, you know of course obviously a broken bone in the foot that you know that pretty much shelved him for the season. Uh, but no, that was he was not a guy to uh, really come limping limping out of games. Um, he was a guy who stayed who stayed on the field a lot. I mean, with his value to the team, um, he, he was he was a guy who was kind of hard to take off the field because it's sort of <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we have a pretty you got a pretty good backup, but the backup is not does not have Tyree Wilson's skill set and ability level. Yeah, Don. Before we let you go, you mentioned earlier that you know he could perhaps be a boom or bust type pick. Um, if it, having watched him as much as you did and having him. Uh, mature in front of your eyes. Uh, if, if you were to to put your chips in one set, there, what what do you think Tyree Wilson becomes based on what you've seen thus far as a young man? Boy, that, that's so hard, man. That's just so hard to answer. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't think Tyree is a can't is a can't miss player. 
But I do think he's a guy who will have at least a solid NFL career baseline. I, th- I think he's – even if he disappoints, I think he's still a guy who will be a, a multi-year NFL starter and a guy who will have, a, you know, barring injury, you know, 10-year, 12-year possibly mm-hmm. NFL career. I, I don't think he's a guy that you will uh, – you know, regret taking. And here's here's maybe a comparison, not to say he's the same style of player, mm-hmm. but grow up, growing up down here in Texas and north part of the state, everyone here is Dallas Cowboys fans. So I, I remember, you know, years several years ago, I forget whatever year it was, you know, Cowboys, one of the Cowboys' first-round draft picks was Greg Ellis out of North Carolina. Yeah. And Greg Ellis, as I remember, was not a – you know, he wasn't one of the first guys off the tongue when you off your tongue when you talked about the great defensive ends in the NFL. But he was a guy who played a lot of years in the NFL and was a, and was, and was a real solid NFL starter. Maybe Tyree becomes that kind of guy with the potential to be uh, with the potential to be more. And you know, I think again when you look at when you look at uh, the rare physical talent that he is, and you know the rare physical specimen that he is, and with pretty good production these last two years uh, i think he's a guy obviously intrigued the teams because heck uh, you know one or two days before the draft there was a whole lot of scuttlebutt about the about the texans about you know rumors of the, that the texans were going to take mm-hmm. him number two number two overall yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and, and you know and, and then you know jordan brooks is a former texas tech linebacker who's been uh, who's been really good for the seattle seahawks and piled up a ton of tackles and you know a yeah. lot of people down here thought well the see because of the success that the seahawks have 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 had with jordan brooks and how you know they like to build build their defense the legion of boom and whatnot there are a lot of people <laughs> thought well if he gets past Houston, the Seahawks will take him at number five. So there are a lot of folks who are shocked when uh, the Seahawks went for uh, the cornerback from Illinois instead. Yeah, yeah, who the Raiders had their eye on as well, too. It was an interesting interesting and fun draft. Don Williams, of course, from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Longtime Texas Tech. Nobody knows the Red Raiders better than he does. Don, thank you so much for being with us today. We'll talk to you down the line. Thank You're you. welcome, guys. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy getting to know Tyree because, like I say, he's a real uh, real uh, media-friendly guy uh, uh-huh. and has, has a real, uh, has a real uh, friendly personality. And that's that's that, how he was down here. That's always good. We love guys like that, don't we? <laughs> we definitely do in the media. Guys All right. Talk. Absolutely. All right, Don. Thanks again. You take care now. You bet. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right, there you go, the great Don Williams uh, down from Lubbock. We appreciate him being with us. As we take our first break, when we come back, we're going to talk about betting the Raiders. Yes, Philip Milan from the Vegas Kings. He's a handicapper. He will be with us here shortly. You're listening to Silver and Black today. Mo and Scott coming back right after this message. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Silver and Black today. A hearty thank you to Don Williams, of course, from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Covered Tyree Wilson. A really interesting conversation there, Mo. As, uh, you know, we try to find out more about him. There hasn't been a lot. I mean, they had rookie minicamp not open to the media. The Raiders were one of, I think, three or four teams that didn't open up uh, the, the, the rookie camp to the media. So we didn't get a chance to hear, hear from Tyree Wilson, and, and we hopefully will get him on the show at some point, but it was nice to hear from Don and get that sense for not only who he is on the field, but also who he is off the field. 
I just and I read one of Don's pieces I referenced when we were talking to him, and I like the fact that he he gives the full picture. He's not one of those beat writers who only says the positive, great things. Oh, Tyree's gonna be great. I mean, all pro player is gonna have 15 sacks his first year. It was like, no, this is, um, you know, what I saw from him from the beginning to when he got drafted. These are the concerns that I that a team may have or that the Raiders may have because he updated the piece, mm-hmm. and he did mention the injury, and he also mentioned uh. Tyree growing into his frame. So I'm wondering, one of the things I didn't get to ask him that I should have is, do you think he's got more room to grow? Could he be a bigger player? Because if the Raiders want to move him inside, could he be 285, you know, and kind of play inside, outside? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's a question maybe we'll follow up with him soon. But I, I felt that that was interesting because he's still a young man. He's still growing into his body. Yeah, and, and actually that that question is a great one, Mo. And I, I think I I was trying to get to the same spot when I asked him about uh the at the end there about hey, you know, what do you think he will be and kind of what can he do to get better? Uh and it was a hard question to answer. But I think, you know, that's why I mentioned um the fact that that the Raiders upgrading the position coach and getting Rob Leonard in. I think you know, fans might not talk a lot about that, but I think it's a big deal to have Rob Leonard there. You look at his pedigree in Baltimore, what he was able to do uh, with the talent, and I mentioned Calais Campbell there before. So so you hope that he can be coached up. I mean, again, I was not excited about Max Crosby. Max Crosby came in as a fourth-round draft pick, not a first-round draft pick, of course, and uh, with coaching, with weight room, and, of course, he got sober as well, which was a big deal for him. Uh, he really shines. So, so you got to hope that that's what happens with Tyree Wilson. Uh, but I think Raider fans, once he gets on the field and they see, even in camp where you're not really seeing much, I think people are going to get excited because of what Don mentioned, and that is he is an absolute physical specimen. Right, and I like that he was honest when I asked him about Tyree's twitch and athleticism. And yeah. it was what, basically kind of what I said on my Bleach Report live stream. I'm not saying he's Miles Garrett bendy. Right. But he's not. I don't think he's this... I don't want to call Cleveland Farrell stiff, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think he was. I think he's a twitchier, more athletic person than defender than Cleveland Farrell. Yes. All right. We're gonna move on now and bring in our guest uh, as we go. Uh, of course, in Las Vegas, we're gonna bring in Philip Milan. He's a handicapper, of the Las Vegas Kings. We're gonna talk about the Raiders. We're gonna talk about the NFL, uh, and we're gonna talk about maybe making you some money. Philip, thanks for joining us here on uh, Silver and Black today. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. All right, so here's the deal. So we're going to talk about the 2023 season. Schedule just came out last week. Everybody's excited about it. From your point of view, as somebody who's out there trying to help people make money, trying to help people bet football, NFL is king when it comes to sports betting. Um, When you look at that schedule, what do you think? What's your first take on 2023 from a betting perspective? From a betting perspective, I think it's one of the hardest schedules in the league. For the yeah. Raiders, that is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, and go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and I don't know if Garoppolo is like the best fit for the Raiders. I, I just don't I just don't see them doing very good this season, unfortunately. Yeah, it, yeah it's it's funny you say that because we just Mo and I just did um our, our kind of er, way too early prediction on the win loss record after the schedule came out earlier this week. And the one thing we said, I think we had them, Mo, what do we have them at seven and eight wins? Um, at yeah, I have them at seven. You have them at eight. I had them at eight, uh, but but it is a tough schedule for them. And we we had them extended losing streaks throughout the season. But, Philip, when you look at that schedule, because Raider fans, you know, you, you always – I went to college in Las Vegas. I lived in Las Vegas twice. And what I learned about sports betting from, from people like you that were handicappers, people who were professionals – were never to bet with your heart. Raider fans still like to bet on their team. When you look at their schedule and how difficult it is uh, and looking at it from the standpoint of, of sports gaming versus just outright winning a game or losing a game, uh, is, there any, is there any advice you would give Raider fans if they are going to bet on their favorite team uh, for opportunities? How, how do they look at that schedule and say, hey, here's a good game where I could actually bet for my team if I want to do that? And, and maybe come out on the winning end. I just break it game by game, basically, you know, like yeah. I like based on efficiency and stuff, it just goes, it depends on the matchup every week. Um, but like in their division, like the Broncos are expected to do great, but we, we already saw Wilson last year, you know, he has high expectations, but he couldn't really deliver. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so so, so, that, so I, I see a similar route for a Garoppolo, you know? Yeah. So I don't for Raider, think anyone... Sorry. Go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. So if a Raider fan is, is planning on, you know, betting on futures bets with the Raiders and looking at their regular season win-loss line, seven, seven and a half, you mentioned Garoppolo and his injury history, right? So is that is that a bet you basically would stay away from simply because Garoppolo's health can send things haywire where if he's hurt, the Raiders are probably going to win in three, four games, where if he's healthy, obviously they win more. Is that a bet you just say, you know what, with Garoppolo's injury history, I'm staying away from that? Or how would you look at that line, seven, seven and a half wins for the Raiders? To be completely honest, yeah, that, that would be one of my biggest concerns, uh, his his injury history, you know? And I don't know if they're going to be able to protect him that well. And yeah. yeah, that would be one of my biggest concerns when betting a Raiders feature. Yeah. Yeah. If you, Garoppolo can stay healthy or not. That that's it too. I mean, that's where we we had them at uh a seven or eight wins based on Garoppolo making making ten or eleven starts. Um, he could make less than that, to your point about about the the injury history there and just unable to stay on the field. Um, uh, Philip, when you look at the AFC West, clearly the Raiders there uh are gonna struggle as they kind of rebuild and need to build up that defense still uh and the offensive line. Um, the Chiefs are still the class in the division, I would imagine, too, from a betting perspective, aren't they? Uh, I wouldn't say from a betting perspective. No. Uh, yeah, they do win games, but when it comes to like covering spreads, like ever since they won their first Super Bowl, they would always like lose the spread by 0.5 <laughs> or like you know they they play to win the game. Just because teams are good doesn't mean they're good to bet it on, you know, because a lot of the times they'll like. They'll, they'll like take the starters off or like they'll be up like 17 points. The spread is negative seven and a half and they'll end up winning by seven. So that's yeah. what I noticed a lot. Like the chiefs, they don't cover spreads. They they might be the greatest team in like the league, but they don't cover spreads, especially during the regular season. When it comes to the playoffs, they tend to cover more, but during the regular season, they're just trying to win. So I so believe that, the go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. So, so that's one of the the things you have to look at. Like, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the Raiders might not might not make it to the playoffs, but they might still be like a good side to bet on on a weekly mm-hmm. basis on the spread if if they're giving you like a lot of points, you know. Sure. So I think the Raiders have the lowest regular season win loss total, win total. Now we didn't. You mentioned Denver. You mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked about the Raiders. What what do you think about the Chargers? I believe is that nine nine and a half. Uh, if I you're mean, a Chargers fan or or better, just if you're even a Raider fan, thinking you know, I, I can bet the low on the on the Chargers at the under, uh, is that a bet that you would take, or are you taking the over on that? I, I would take the over on the yes. Chargers. Yeah, and I would probably take the under on the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that one too. Actually, for some reason, I mean, I get Sean Payton's there, and and I do expect that the. Uh, that Russell Wilson will bounce back a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP, but certainly uh, it's it's a, a season, I think, where he gains a little bit of his form back. We'll see if that is able to happen. When you look at the rest of the league, David, or Philip, before we let you go, um, are you, what teams, when you look at the, that you talked about in the division, but when you look at over-under uh, and wins and losses throughout the rest of the league, are there a couple, a couple bets that stick out at you that if folks are listening today that they should jump on? Not as of right now, to be honest. Too early? Not yeah, too early. I usually I usually start looking more towards like July, you know? Because yeah. like a, a lot of stuff will happen from here till then. And when it comes like I personally don't bet a lot of futures. I know a lot a lot of people love to bet that, but I don't really like to bet futures. I go on a weekly basis for the most part. Nice. All right, man. Well, listen, we thank you for being with us. Tell people how they can find you and uh tap into what you're working on. Yeah, they can find me on Instagram uh, under uh, Las Vegas Kings. All right, there you go. Philip, man, we appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day and giving us some uh, inside skinny on how to bet the Raiders or uh, at least to to look at it from that perspective. So thanks, and we'll we'll talk to you on down the line. No worries. It was a pleasure. All right, man. Take care now. All right, there you go. Some some betting advice there from Philip Milan. And yeah, so he's not real high from a betting perspective on the Raiders either, Mo. Or the Chiefs for that matter. Or, or the or Chiefs. Or or Denver for that matter. He he likes the Chargers. That's why yeah. I made sure I asked him asked him about it. 
So if you were a betting person, not necessarily to say that's the order of what these things are going to look like, but from a betting perspective, if you're going to lay your money on those futures, he likes the Chargers. And I think a lot of, I know we talk about the Chargers almost every offseason. Raiders fans like the Chargers are the, are the champions of the offseason. Every year it seems like the Chargers are <laughs> hyped to go to the Super Bowl, oh, yeah. win a lot. But now they have Justin Herbert, and he had, to me, he has a, he has an upgraded offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. Now, I know the Cowboys fired Kellen Moore, but he's had some top 10 scoring offenses with Dallas, and he's worked wonders with Dak Prescott, who was a fourth-round pick. So imagine what he can do with a first-round pick. Yeah. And I think Justin Herbert is a, is a better quarterback than Dak. So maybe uh, uh, Milan is, uh, Philip Milan is right on that, going with the over on the Chargers at 9, 9.5. Absolutely. All right. We're going to uh, take our final break. When we come back, we're going to catch up on a little bit of news because Mo's a little perturbed. Uh-oh. Mo is a little upset. And we got to talk about that. So we'll get into that when we come back. Of course, that's that's the Devontae Adams jazz. And then we'll also get My to goodness. your mail. <laughs> we'll get to your mail on the Raider Nation mailbag. You're listening to Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere or Mo, Midtown Mo. We'll find you, and he's got a new aluminum bat, so stay where you're at. Welcome back. It's the home stretch here on Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast. If you don't subscribe to the show, make sure you do wherever you get your audio. Hello to our YouTube viewers. Make sure you subscribe, hit the notifications bell there, and spread the word. Tell people they can watch the show there as well as hear it on The Bet in Las Vegas on the radio Mo Moten, he's a national NFL writer at Bleacher Report, at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-N, M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully, and we are talking Raiders football. We're going to get to your mail in just a second, but Mo is steaming. You can see him. He's moving around. He's, 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 he's twitchy. He's not very happy. Raider Nation, what's going on out there? Devontae Adams says he doesn't see eye to eye with the front office on the offense. He doesn't say he wants to trade. He doesn't say he's he's going to leave. He doesn't say he's not committed to the team. But as usual, the Twitter machine goes from zero to 200 miles an hour. See? He's done. He wants out. He wants it. And he said nothing like that. Mo, break it down on why you were getting triggered by some of the reaction to the Devontae Adam comments. So how, I was having a good morning. You know, it's what is it? It's Tuesday. I had some bacon and eggs. It's a good day. It's a good start. You know, pork bacon, like that slab bacon. Great. You know? Yeah. I go to my Twitter account. I see Bleacher Report, my employer, uh, put out a, put out a column. Devontae has to see eye to eye. He has some questions about the offense. And basically, I put out a tweet saying if he feels that way, he's not the only one in that locker room who feels that way because players talk to each other. And that the leader... That locker room has some concerns. I'm sure other guys around him also have similar concerns. I put the phone down. I come back three minutes later. I'm seeing all of these Devontae Adams trade scenarios. Oh, he's going to the Jets. Oh, he's going to the Saints <laughs> with Derek Carr. Oh, he's going here. He's going here. I'm like, guys, did you did you read the article? And no. I'm like, you know what? After I after my tweet, I made sure Marin Fader, who Used to rifle Beach Report as a freelancer, did a yeah. fantastic job profiling Devontae Adams. Basically, the person he is now, how he's mature from his um, short period between Green Bay and Las Vegas, you know, why he came to the Raiders, and just a lot of other things, how he wanted to validate himself away from Aaron Rodgers. And it, it's all in the column. It's a great, again, it's a great profile by Marin Fisher. He did a great job. And people ran with that quote as, as to say, oh, he's unhappy. He's probably going to get traded next year. He's probably going to get traded before the de- trade deadline. Yeah. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, if you're putting Devontae Adams on the Jets, you obviously didn't read the column because, number one, the column starts out saying he was anxious about the all-pro honors uh, that coming out because he wanted to validate himself, again, away from Aaron Rodgers. He wanted to show people that he is a great wide receiver, one of the best, arguably the best wide receiver in the league, away from Aaron Rodgers. Right. There's no way he's going to go back into that situation with Aaron Rodgers. The other thing was he left Green Bay partially because he didn't know what Aaron Rodgers' future was going to hold. So there's no way he's going to go to the Jets, which, by the way, is across country from his family because part of the reason he's on the Raiders now is because he wanted to be closer to his family. Right. So in no way he's going to go further away from his family than Green yep. Bay to yep. New York cross-country with Aaron Rodgers back with the same quarterback he tried to validate himself away from and go through that whole thing again where he doesn't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to play next year or not. So once people started plugging 
Adams with the Jets, I knew they didn't read the column. The other thing is we live in a society where people don't read anyway. So <laughs> you can put out the night, the best column ever, an award-winning piece. People won't read it. They'll just say, okay, give me the juicy parts, and I'll run with that and have my opinions. And I, and I told people, every tweet with every tweet that I made about that topic, I said, read the column. It's a great column. It's not yeah. just because yeah. she used to rifle bleach report, not no. because we're cool. It's a great column. It's a great but, profile. It lets you into the mind of Devontae Adams. Read it, please. Correct. And two things. Well, number one, she was also on our good friend Q Myers show over on Raider Nation Radio. It was a good listen. So if you haven't listened to that. So people, it's amazing to me today, and this goes for politics, this goes for sports, it doesn't matter what it is, people get all bent out of shape and they haven't even read it. Now, if you read it and get bent out of shape, fine. At least you're coming from a point of knowledge. You've read it and you can say, okay, here's where I saw this or I saw that. Even if I disagree with you, cool. I'm going to say, all right, you read the piece, you get it. But people don't read it. And people want to jump from zero to outrage quickly, especially if it supports. Now, listen, we understand, and I, and you and I have been sympathetic and don't argue against Raiders fans who are negative about the coaching staff right now especially Josh McDaniels. I get it. And I'm not arguing that you're wrong. I think he's got a lot to prove. But people are, they, they get into a negative mindset and everything that comes out is a negative mindset. And so Devontae Adams says something in the scope of a larger piece, which to your point, Mo, you're absolutely 100% right, which is gives great insight to the man's thoughts, his personality, what his motivation is, and if you read the piece, yes, he's sending a signal to his front office. Hey, we got to do something. I'm ready to go. I want to win. I didn't come here to just collect a paycheck. I want to prove myself. To your point, he wants to prove that he can be the best receiver in the game without Aaron Rodgers. But he also wants to win. And so he's telling his team, it's no different from what he said right after Derek Carr got benched. And, and after the end of the season, he basically said the same thing, maybe different words. So it's been consistent. I don't understand why people will not read. I do. And it's just people don't want to take the time because it, listen, take, when you're on social thinking? media, right. First of all, <laughs> when you're on social media, the, your first reaction isn't to let me do my research. A lot of, for a lot of people, it's let me react to what I see in front of me. And a lot of people fall into this trap. I used to fall into this trap of just reading what was clipped out. You're reacting yeah. to, to, to the part yeah. that was removed from the complete piece to say, okay, this is what he said. I'm going to react to that. My thing is, after you react to that, I think it's best before you fly off the handle to read the full column so you can get a better understanding of the, of the quote in its context. Because Correct. right after he said that, right after he had voiced his concerns about the offense, he also said that, look, I'm going to be as optimistic as I can be, and I'm going to try to make it work because yeah. that part was left out of it. It was. And now, but the thing is, what people will do today is, again, it's never anyone else's responsibility. It's someone else's. Well, that's the athletic. I don't pay for the athletic, so I can't read it. Okay, then don't comment on it. How about that? If you don't know it out of context, number one. And number two is, well, it's because all you evil websites, you clickbait me by saying it. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I don't know about you, Mo. When I'm on the internet nowadays, when I see something, and every once in a while they trick me too, but every, when, I, when I see things and I see especially a, a, an explosive headline or, or a baiting, seems like a baiting headline, I'm like, uh, let me see what this is about before I pass judgment on it because... They're saying, I mean, even one of the Raider websites printed something uh, yesterday to the effect of, do the Raiders have a Devontae Adams problem? I forgot which site it was. Maybe Silver or Black Pride, I can't remember. But anyway, it's like, what does that mean? Like, you're, you're, if somebody didn't read the other piece, now they're going to read this. Oh, see, there's a problem. No, they didn't say that. They're asking the question, is there a problem? Now, if you read the piece, do they say it's a problem? You have to read it to find out. So, so I understand people get sucked in by that because we all fall prey to it mm -hmm. occasionally. Mm -hmm. But, but you guys have to read and and it, oh, it's behind a paywall. Okay, fine. 
than somebody who has it say, hey, and I saw a lot of screen grabs of exactly what you were just talking about, which was the quote that was quoted followed by the, hey, I'm still committed. So it's been out there and people are still on the Devontae Adams. Okay, if we trade Adams to this team and that team, it's like, if you look at the salary cap hit and you look at the realities of this situation, not going to happen. Let's be real here, Scott. Let's keep it 100 as the kids say out on the streets, right? Yeah, yeah. After Derek Carr was benched, what were a portion of Raider fans, uh, what were some Raider fans saying? Devontae Adams is not going to stand for this. They're, they're, They're... Parting ways, parting ways with his boy, he's going to ask yeah. out. And I yeah. think a lot of people, and what do we always say? People want to be proven right. They do. So if this was a, if this was a fissure between Adams and the front office for him to ask for out, those people who said that Devontae Adams would throw a temper tantrum and want to leave Las Vegas, they would be proven right. So right. I, I would believe that a lot of people who felt that way then feel that way about the situation now that Devonte Adams is going to be yeah. traded within the next six to, six months, six to eight months. And I just I would just tell people that if you look at his motivation for coming to Las Vegas, as I mentioned, his family wanted to validate himself away from a top tier quarterback, a league MVP winning quarterback, a four time league MVP winning quarterback. Mm-hmm. You would understand that it's not a situation where he could be critical and still be committed. Just right. because you're critical of something doesn't mean you want out. We all work at jobs, right, where we don't agree with something a boss or a manager or supervisor yeah. said. Does it mean that we're looking for a new job at that moment? No, we just disagree at that moment with the way things are headed, and we'd rather things be different, but we're still going to come to work if you're a professional, which Devontae Adams is. You're still going to come to work and give yeah. 100%. Yeah, and it's also, by the way, um, a signal to his new quarterback Right. There's there's a lot of read between the lines and stuff like that, that people and it's yeah. not a negative thing. It's it's leadership. Actually, Devonte Adams yeah. is stepping out as the leader of the offense because Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't done it yet because he hasn't even been on the field for the Raiders. Yeah. So yeah. so Devonte Adams, who did it when Derek Carr was benched too, stepped up to be the leader of the offense. He's stepping up and saying, hey, I got we don't see eye to eye on things. We'll see where it goes. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's sending the signal to quarterback. He's speaking for his teammate, Josh Jacobs, who basically feels the same way from what we've ascertained from what he said. So, so there's a lot of uncertainty there when you have all that change. And a leader will step up and say, hey, yeah, I don't see eye to eye. I'm not sure where this is going, but I'm committed. I'm going to be here. I'm going to work on it. And, and, and we'll do the best that we can. The one thing I didn't want to talk about on Twitter because I didn't want to start a whole you know, car wars <laughs> conversation was – this is a departure from what Carr used to do when he would get at the podium. And we talked about this a lot on the show. You can tell when something is bothering Carr. Now, he didn't crack on the surface until, you know, last year when he got at the podium and he had that emotional press conference. But usually yeah. in the offseason, Carr will get at the podium whether he likes. We don't know what he's really thinking because he always says, oh, we're, we're doing great. Everything's good. Everything's fine. Everything's hunky-dory. That's not Devontae Adams. Devontae no. Adams is a lot more transparent with what he actually thinks. Yep. I'm not saying Derek Carr is a liar, but I'm saying no. that Derek Carr is not going to get Different the podium and, and, and criticize the coaching staff or the front office. That's just not who Carr is, and that's fine. Devontae Adams is a different type of person at the podium. He's going to tell you exactly how he's feeling, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with the way Carr handled things at the podium. They're just yes. two different people on how they handle things going on in their lives and their careers. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. And so, so yeah, people just need to chill out. That's okay. Basically. But yeah. but some of them won't because they they want it to happen. It's crazy. But they do. And that's okay. That's their right. They can do whatever they want as a fan. All right. We're <laughs> going to quickly move on to our our mailbag segment where we answer your questions. You can mail us at mail at silverandblacktoday.com. That's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. I am at LV Gully, and he is at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can send your questions there, too. All right, Josh from North Las Vegas sends us our first question here, Mo. It says, I don't understand how you guys undervalue Josh Jacobs as a part of the Raiders. Without him last year, they are nothing. How can you both justify not paying the man when he deserves everything that comes to him? I think you're both wrong. Again, Josh in North Las Vegas. Let me just start out, Josh. Thank you for listening, by the way, and also thank you for your note. But Josh, come here. I got to talk to you for a second, Josh. We don't undervalue him. The NFL and the owners and the teams value set the value on running backs. Not Mo and Scott, who aren't, we don't make decisions in the NFL. We don't, 
We don't decide his value. The NFL market decides his value. Just like I don't decide the value of Apple stock. The market decides that. The market value of Josh Jacobs is not $15 million a year. They tagged him at 10 and a half. That's his value. If you listen to the show, which I know you do, Mo and I have been completely complimentary of Josh Jacobs and what he's been able to do over the last year. He deserves all the credit in the world. But you're not going to overpay for a player at a position if the market value is significantly lower than that. Look at Saquon Barkley in New York with the Giants. Is he getting an $18 million deal that people thought he might get? No, he's not. What about Austin Eckler? What's he up to? Hmm. So I just want to make it clear, Josh, we're not setting his value and undervaluing him. The NFL, Mo, is setting his value. The other thing, the other thing I want to say to Josh is I think I've mentioned this at least. I'll, I'll let you speak for yourself. But I, I've always said that, you know, if Josh Jacobs is willing to take, you know, 13, maybe 14 mm-hmm. million, and there and there can be the middle ground there. That's fine, but as you said, with the market value the way it is, you're not going to pay a running back 15, 16 million. It's not that we don't think Josh Jacobs deserves, you know, financial security and a new deal. No, we're yeah. saying for for what he might ask for, 15, 16 million is it's not a financially sound move based on what the market has dictated. You mentioned Saquon Barkley. Uh, our our email says, what would the Raiders be without Josh Jacobs? What would the Giants have been without Saquon Barkley last year? (laughs) Exactly. And he, he, by the way, Saquon Barkley rejected a $14 million deal. Yep. So it's not about not valuing a player. It's about coming to a middle ground on a contract, on a contract number. You're not saying you're not worth a new deal. We're saying we need to come together and agree on a specific number. So I think that's where the hangup is between Josh, our emailer, and, and and us is that we're not saying don't pay Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. We're saying if they're going to pay him, it has to be at a market value number where you're not exceeding $15, $16 million for a low premium right. position. Like you said, if he wants to take $12, $13.5 million, I'm all for it. That would be value. That would be good. And and you 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 lock him up. So we'll see what they do. But Josh, thank you again, man, for your question. We appreciate it. And for you listening to the show. All right, we go on to Northern California to Fremont to be specific. Larry up in the Bay Area, East Bay. He says, Hey guys, I am on board with you and your win loss predictions. What has to happen in free agency between now and the start of the season for the Raiders to maybe improve that win total by two games to either nine or 10 wins? That's Larry in Fremont. Mo, I know you just did a column up on Sports Knot, right? About some free agents. I did one on undrafted free agents. I, I think uh, McClendon Curtis is probably the guy that I think makes the roster at guard. But to mm-hmm. answer the emailer's question about veteran free agents, they definitely have to go get a linebacker. If they don't get a linebacker, the defense is not going to make vast improvements. That To me, that's just my philosophy, that if you're revamping a defense, you have to have the quarterback of your defense set in stone. That centerpiece is very important. You saw what Denzel Perryman did over the past two years. I know he's not the best cover defender, but he played he played at a Pro Bowl level. He, you know, Raiders defense didn't make humongous strides, significant, significant strides, but it was a start in the right direction. And, and I think when you have, again, when you have the centerpiece of your defense, that guy is getting other players lined up. That guy's covering the middle of the field. When you have mm-hmm. tight ends like Travis Kelsey in your division, you have to shore up the middle of the field in today's NFL because there are too many pass-catching tight ends coming in. There are athletic running backs who now catch out of the backfield. The first thing they have to do is get a linebacker. The other thing I would get is a veteran quarterback, now the cornerback. Now, they had Marcus Peters in early in the week for a visit. No word on, on a contract or what, what's going on there, but they have to have a veteran cornerback back there to challenge yeah. some of the young corners and the, and the younger corners on the back end of that secondary because – you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. You're yeah. trying to win that division. If you're trying to win that division, one way you do it, get to the quarterback with your D-line. The other way, you got to cover their their playmakers on the back end of the field. Right, which is why we started the show talking about Tyree Wilson. That's why you drafted Tyree Wilson. Mm-hmm. You're in the AFC West. you got to put pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So uh, they bet this year on going up front to do it. And so we'll see what they can do to button up the back. But thanks for the email. We certainly appreciate it. All right, Mo, we are out of time. On this show, right. we, we went long on the Devonte Adams uh, um, stuff, which yeah, was fine. It was a I good had discussion. To, I had to eat off. a Snickers on that one. <laughs> I, 
a Snickers. Yeah. There you go. Definitely. Yeah, I, I know. I like those commercials. They're good. All right, man. What do you got coming up this week that people, uh, the remainder of the week, as we talk to everybody on Thursday, anything coming up Friday this weekend people need to watch for as it comes up out of the, the pen or the laptop of Mo Moten? The NFL's all underrated team. There might mm. be some Raiders on that list. I picked one player at each position that had some honorable mentions of underrated players across the league. And there, I will say, just a, just a quick teaser, might be some Raiders on that list. The other thing is I'm going to get into OTA storylines at the beginning of next week, end of this week, just to get people ready about you know what to look for at OTAs. Because as we said, it's not more about what the players do on the field because they're in shorts and T-shirts, but about position, where guys are lined up, who are they lining up with. I think that's important. I'll have a storyline piece out, out on sports, not just going over those aspects. There you go. See, we never leave you without great content, whether it be here on audio, on video, or in the written format. Whatever you need to keep track of your Las Vegas Raiders, we got it for you. Mo, we will see you again early next week as we roll into this. We're getting closer to the kind of doldrums of the summer. We got a few more weeks. Obviously, OTAs coming up. We'll get that. And then and then it gets into the 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 Netherlands, the the desert of if you will of the NFL year, where not a lot happens. But uh, until that time, we're going to give this uh, give these folks some great content. And even during that time, we're going to do some cool stuff. We're going to do some books, get some authors on to talk about some great football stories. Uh, so we will not leave you or abandon you during that time when you're just starving for football, right? Summer story time with Scott and Mo. That, that should be a nice little. Nice little oh, segment. We, we should gotta have. get rocking chairs for that, right? <laughs> rocking chairs and grandma rocking sweaters. Chairs, little book. Yeah, grandma sweaters. All right. All right, Maybe my friend. I'll, I will see you uh, on Tuesday. Sounds good. All right. There you have it. Thank you guys all for being with us here on Silver and Black today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your audio. Do us that favor. We would appreciate it so much. Subscribe, hit the auto download. That way, every time we push a new show, you get it all without having to do anything. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you again. We've been a little uh, uh, derelict in our chat duty there uh, due to my schedule, but I will be back in there for this show, and as you saw, and so we will have fun with that as well. So make sure you subscribe and also hit the notifications bell on uh, YouTube. All right. So for our producer, David Stepanian, which who we wish a very safe travel schedule. He's going over to his uh, Armenia, his native Armenia. So we wish him the best over there. For my co-host, Momo, and I am Scott Branson. Take care, Raider Nation. We will talk to you on Tuesday. <laughs>